This is Science by the Slice, a podcast from the University of Florida's Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences Center for Public Issues Education. In this podcast, experts discuss the science of issues affecting our daily lives, reveal the motivations behind the decisions people make, and ultimately provide insight to solutions for our lives. Listeners, this is Michaela Kanzer, Communication Specialist at the Pi Center. I'm excited for you to listen to and learn from these special podcast guests from Thomas Honey as they tell us what it is like to be in the honeybee business. Thomas Honey is based out of Lake City, Florida, and has a long-standing reputation for quality products. They love their bees and their honey and place value on maintaining the highest quality standards for their pollinators and their products. In this episode, you'll hear from Mike Thomas, who started Thomas Honey in the 1960s, and his granddaughter, Courtney Stewart, who now runs the packaging portion of the company. Mike and Courtney share how the company was founded, the process of how bees make honey, and then how honey gets into the jars. And they also share what it's like to have three, going on four, generations of the Thomas family still producing honey today. I'm Mike Thomas. I'm the one that started all of this. Now, my job is making sure that Courtney keeps everything going the way it should be going. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Courtney Stewart, and uh, Mike is my grandpa. He started Thomas Honey in the 60s, and so I am now buying the bottling portion of the business and kind of creating a separate entity. We have several family members who still run the bees, but the bottling business has gotten big enough that it it's better if it just kind of runs on its own. So we have started this venture that is kind of new and exciting and uh, nerve wracking because we've never, it's never been separate from the bees before. So I am taking that on and clearly with lots of help. <laughs> Well, that's really exciting. And so I know you guys personally, and I um, I know that you guys have a really rich history with Thomas Honey. So can you tell me a little bit about the history of Thomas Honey, kind of about the bee portion and the honey portion and the bottling portion and um, the products that you have and kind of what the business looks like today? I love hearing my grandpa tell how he started the bees. He worked in the the post office when he was young and um, my favorite part of the story, I'm going to spoil it and then he can kind of tell you, but my favorite part of the story is that his mom did not want him to start beekeeping. She was like, you're crazy for leaving a good, solid, steady job and to go chase bugs around the woods. <laughs> and so it may be a personality trait that has been passed down that we were like, well, watch me then. <laughs> and so it's been a lot of fun. You know, whenever my great grandma was in her older years, she was obviously very proud of everything that my grandpa had accomplished. But it started back in the 60s. Well, actually, I had started as a part-time beekeeper while I was at the post office. And uh, in 1968, uh, things that were going on in Life in general, I decided that I would enjoy working the bees more than I did working the job at the post office. And the business here in Lake City was a run down really bad and was for sale for a price that I could manage to get together. So I came over here and bought a bought a business that was ready to collapse, and we were able to rebuild everything and get it going. 
that was in 1968 when I came over here and started full-time beekeeping. 1974, I started a migratory beekeeping and we went back and forth to North Dakota in the summertime with the bees until 2002, I think it is. And I sold that business to my grandson-in-law. And then uh, in the last year, why I've turned the bottom business over to Courtney and sold it to her. And I sold the physical structure here to my grandson-in-law from North Dakota. And he's going to be uh, in the Commercial. honeybee part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. And Courtney's going to be in the bottling honey business. It's really cool. You know, you asked about what the business looks like today. And it's really cool because our family has kind of taken this thing that would have traditionally been pretty much a one-man show and diversified it to the point that we can all work collectively within Thomas Honey. But it's, you know, I make my own business decisions and my cousin makes his own business decisions and we are all from the same thing. But it's really neat that at this point, something that started in 1968 has become something that our family is still so, so involved in, in a a million aspects, but it's just evolving, which is cool. Yeah, that is really cool. And I I love a good story. So I appreciate you sharing kind of the history and the story behind Thomas Honey. And I think um, something that is really cool about this story is kind of the the picture of generational agriculture. And so, um, you know, beekeeping is a part of integral to agriculture and how a lot of times, and it's sad, but in today's times, families aren't able to support generation after generation like they used to be. And so it's really cool that you guys are able to do that. And what a legacy to leave behind, you know? Um, So I kind of want to take a step back and kind of explain the process of of beekeeping from start to finish. So the bees journey from pollination to, to the jar, kind of what does that look like? And what are all the aspects that really go into beekeeping? The bees gather uh, two things out of the flowers where they gather nectar, which they turn into honey, and they gather pollen, which is a protein feed that they feed the larval stage of the bees to get them to grow into bees. The uh, nectar that the bees gather from the flowers, the moisture content in it is very high, and uh, the bees actually bring that nectar back to the hive and they fan air through the hive and evaporate that moisture down to somewhere below 18%, and uh, then they seal it over with wax. A lot of things that are interested in the beeswax is fat tissue from the bees. They make the wax in a wax gland in their abdomen by gorging themselves on honey, and they build their, they build their hives, their combs, out of the wax that they secrete. Once they cure that honey down, once they evaporate it, they cover it with a with a layer of wax. Once that is accomplished, we uh, take the honey off the bees, and we have a machinery that helps us along. And used to all be by hand. You had this big knife that you uh, sliced the stuff off. Now we have a machine that does it for us. And you take that cap off of the honey and then run it through a centrifuge and... Uh, and the honey slings out against the wall of the spinner and drains into the tank for the for the storage. The bees lay an egg. The queen bee lays the eggs. She lays all the eggs that are in the hive that are fertile, which hatch into the worker bees. And they lay the egg. It hatches. They uh, feed it through a larval stage, and then they seal it over, and it metamorphoses into an adult bee, just like a 
butterfly or a moth or other insects? The actual process of beekeeping is so, there is so much depth of information that you can never stop learning. <laughs> like it, it's so much, it's so, so fascinating. But um, like he was saying, we have the, it's called an extracting machine that will pull the honey out of the hives and then we replace the frames and send, you know, send the bees back out. So once you gather the honey, it gets poured into drums, stored in a insulated warehouse. And then once we are ready to process it, we will take a drum and usually the honey is granulated once it's in the drums, which is just its natural preservation process. So we have to use a bander to, you know, like gradually heat it. And then we put it into a tank that will stir it up and make sure there's no granulation left just for palatability. I know it's set at, um, I think it's 110, maybe 115. You want, you want it to stay under 120 is kind of the level that is preferred after 140, then you really lose a lot of the health benefits of honey. But our goal is really just to get all of the granulation out. So you have that really pretty clear, smooth, palatable product without destroying any of the natural properties. And then we pour it through a screen that is very minimal straining. It's just going to get rid of like, you know, little pieces of wax or wood from a frame or whatever, and then bottle it. We actually hand bottle everything and label it and package it up. And um, most of our business is actually from retailers who are wholesale clients. So they buy in bulk and then retail our product. And we do have our website and, you know, you can buy from us directly, but most of our business is with other places, which is really fun because then you support the beekeepers, the ag workers, and whenever you sell to a mom and pop store who's going to retail your product, then you're, it's like there's so many small business, direct-to-consumer people in that process that are genuinely helped out. It, it's just really fun to have the niche that we have is really fun that we can be supportive of so many different aspects. Yeah, supporting local from start to finish, right? <laughs> I want to pull something else out that you said in there about the health benefits of honey. So what are those health benefits? The health benefits, um, we I've always had a number of clients that uh, take the honey for the allergy problems and, and they testify to me and swear to me that it has a great deal of a benefit to them as far as their allergies are concerned. Obviously, it does. They continue to come out here and buy honey by the gallons. So it, it either really does or they think it does. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the health benefits are, are good. I mentioned a while ago about the bees bringing the honey in, the nectar in. When the bees bring the nectar in to the hive, they have a separate stomach called the honey stomach, and uh, they bring the honey, the nectar in. And in that process, they ingest an enzyme into that honey that literally helps with your digestive process. The honey is digested much easier. That's the reason you get the immediate surge from eating the honey of energy is because it goes pretty rapidly into your bloodstream without being held in your digestive system. Um, the beeswax that the is left after the honey process is used in so many things everything from lipstick to bullet lubricant to high-tech grease 
for race cars has a beeswax base. Honey itself has a lot of antioxidants and trace amounts of vitamins and minerals in it. The bottom line is that honey is an added sugar, so it's a sugar. It's it's a sweetener, and it, the nutritional content of it is is going to be sugar related. But it's really cool because of the the proportions of fructose versus glucose in in the molecular structure of the honey means that some diabetics can tolerate that as a sweetener better. It also is when you talk about the process of bottling and providing honey to people, the minimal amounts of processing means that it's a whole food source. So all of that good stuff that goes with a whole food source and the least amount of processing that just removes all of that good for you stuff. Honey has a property I think it's called hygroscopic, but uh, it means that it will absorb moisture from anything that it comes in contact with. But they use uh, honey uh, sometimes in critical cases as an antiseptic because of that property. It will absorb the moisture out of the bacteria and kill the bacteria in the wound, which is kind of, you know, funny because you don't think of it as doing something like that. But... um, There's a pretty big market for, actually, I think it's specifically Manuka honey for wound care. And And uh, you have to be very, very careful with uh, the processing of the honey because if you have a container of honey and it is left unsealed, it will absorb moisture out of the air and it it will sour. It will ferment. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. And it's probably revealing too much about me, but I also buy honey by the gallon <laughs> and keep it um, keep it in my in my kitchen. So I need to make sure I keep it sealed. Um, but something else that I really like about Thomas Honey is something that I you know noted from your website is that um, you guys really seem to value sustainability and to, you know, what beekeeping sustainability. So what does that look like in action? Well, ironically, that is something that what that I kind of I kind of came to the table with that. You know, I wasn't I wasn't involved in the food industry until two years ago at all. I was actually in children's mental health. And whenever I came and and like you see the amount of waste is just like mind blowing. Like, and in the past, there were a lot of restrictions in terms of like health codes and requirements from the health department and what you were allowed to reuse versus not and cleanliness and proper handling is of the utmost importance. You know, you can't, you can't sacrifice that, but it's like, but there has to be a better way. Right. And so I actually met with our health inspector and I I call her all the time. We have been in talks of how we can like accept and reuse jars. And so I finally have the process ready. I'm actually getting ready to print um, some punch cards. So if you return a case of jars, you get $5 off of your purchase, cut a coupon thing. But um, more importantly, we are going to have the opportunity to accept our old jars back and reuse them. And you know that I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. And it's been something that's been, in the works for a really long time. And it, we, we were talking about it the other day and grandpa was like, he actually used the, he, he kind of broke it down. And he said, you know, if you look at the fact that a jar might cost 10 cents to make, but then the jar manufacturer sells it to a mm-hmm. broker and the broker is going to then sell that jar for 20 cents. And then 
that jar is going to get shipped. And now that jar is worth 30 cents. And then once it's shipped to the U.S., well, now the next logistics company is going to deal with it. So now that jar is worth 35 cents. And it just, the next thing you know, by the time that jar gets to the shelf of a retailer, something that costs 10 cents to make, the consumer is actually paying $1.10 for it. So can you just tell me the importance of beekeepers and the importance of the role that they play in agriculture? I think that beekeepers are important to humans because they are some of the hardest working people you'll ever meet. In order to be a successful beekeeper, you have to have an incredible work ethic, but also have this really unique balance of attention to detail and patience. So like you have to know what's going on in your hive and you have to know about the health of the hive and the problems that are showing up and what you're going to do about it and how that's going to respond four weeks down the road or two months down the road or whenever, but also have a feel for the timing of when to when to address it and what's the best way to address it and it's it's just such a cool there's such a cool kind of person that is attracted to the beekeeping world and you know obviously beekeepers are incredibly important to like there's a list of how many crops that wouldn't exist if bees were to become extinct like most of the berries uh, cucumbers squash yeah. watermelons but a new seedless variety of watermelon, they have to have it, um, extreme pollination to get them to cross-pollinate. Obviously, you can't grow a seedless watermelon if you don't have seed. <laughs> so if you have a seedless variety and a seeded variety, and you cross those two varieties, then you have a seedless watermelon. And so that has to be accomplished by, by extreme pollination. And yeah. so the watermelon industry will put the will put the bees into the field in large quantities and large numbers. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I didn't realize that about the seedless watermelons, but that makes a lot of yeah. sense. <laughs> um, so, how can our listeners support honeybees in the production of honeybee products? Um, people should be aware that if they have the opportunity to plant uh, anything in their yard or any anywhere that would benefit the, the bees and the insects. Without the bee pollination, I don't know that you could produce enough food in the world to feed the world. I truly believe that there's the major crops that are affected by the bees would create a serious problem if there were no bees. Yeah, and even stuff like, I think just being conscious of the fact that there's, you know, there's a ripple effect to everything that you do. And whenever you opt for a perfectly manicured yard or, you know, like a, a bee garden is a popular thing. Make your flower beds bee friendly and do things that encourage small progress that, you know, it doesn't have to change the world. It just changes your part of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I really have enjoyed getting to hear your stories and I, I could sit and talk all day about about stories and about family. And so thanks for sharing that with us. Um, can you just let our listeners know um, where to find you online or where they can buy their own Thomas Honey? Yeah, so thomashoney.com is our website. We uh, we actually just passed our one year anniversary of the website overhaul. And uh, so it's 
new ish. And, um, I am learning a lot about how to do that, but thomashoney.com and actually on our website under the contacts tab, there is a page you can go to that says retail locations and it has a search option as well as a map option that'll pull up all of our locations close to you. <clears throat> you can click on the, the pin and, see the business name and address. And it also tells you whether they're, uh, I think the terms we use is a creator or a vendor, um, a creator being, you know, we have lots of coffee shops and restaurants and people who use our honey in their product versus people who retail our product. And then some are both. So on that page on the website, it actually will tell you who does what. So if you see that you know, bold bean is close to you. You're not going to be able to buy a jar of honey, Thomas honey at bold bean, but you can get a really great coffee and have Thomas honey. <laughs> I love that. Um, so just my last question for you guys, do you guys have any parting thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? I, uh, I've enjoyed being in the big business all my life and, and, uh, people talk about retiring and enjoying herself. I said, well, I don't need to retire to do that because I've always enjoyed what I did. And so when you enjoy your work, it's not really work, I guess. We hope that you enjoyed this episode, and we hope that you will enjoy some Thomas Honey soon as well. This episode is shared in loving memory of Mr. Mike Thomas, beloved founder and pillar of the Thomas Honey family business. Active in the industry until he passed away earlier this year, Mike left a legacy as one of Florida's longest standing beekeepers. We were honored to have both Mike Thomas and Courtney Store on Science by the Slice. Science by the Slice is produced by the UF IFAS Center for Public Issues Education in Agriculture and Natural Resources. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Subscribe to Science by the Slice on your favorite podcast app and give us a rating or review as well. Have a question or comment? Send us an email to piecenter at ifas.ufl.edu. That's piecenter, all one word, at ifas.ufl.edu. We'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing with a friend or colleague. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Science by the Slice.